Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Cody Sykes. I am the campus pastor of Renew Life Church Midland, just right down the road. So honored to be connected with you from afar and really, really thankful just to get to be here this morning. Uh, it has been a long time. I feel like uh, it's been forever. Uh, it's actually been since April. So very honored to get to, to share with you this morning. I'm excited about the word, I'm excited about just the life that is happening in our church. You need to understand that your church is alive. Do I have anybody that agrees with me? Oh, come on. Y'all are going to have to do way better than that. You got to sleep in. So I, I said, your church is alive. Do I have anybody that agrees with me? Thank you. You know, when you have a microphone, you can persuade people to do a lot of things. Witness exhibit A, you were asleep, now you are alive. So, no, I'm just really honored and thankful that, that, that I would get to actually share the platform that, that Keith normally has, and you have an incredible pastor one of my best friends, and I just wanted to honor him and tell him thank you for all that you do and uh, for loving people well. I didn't expect to do that, but there you go. Can you give it up for your pastor? Isn't he so awesome? Amen. Let's pray, and then I want to share a word with you uh, that I feel like God put on my heart, and uh, we'll see what happens. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're, you're alive in your word. And I pray that this morning your word would come alive to us, that we would uh, grow in understanding. And, and I pray, Father, that you would give us revelation. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this, uh, this room with us uh, in, in a great way, Father. I thank you that you are faithful, and where two or more are gathered, so are you there in our midst. And so I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying this morning, and that you would give us eyes to see what it is that you would love for us to see, God. I think that you're always trying to get something to us, and you're not a God that is trying to get something away from us, but you are a giver. And so this morning, we just do our best to position ourselves to receive from you, and uh, I pray, Father, that you would help me communicate and you would help us hear uh, exactly what you would have us here this morning. We thank you for these things. We pray them in Jesus' name. If you agree, give me a good amen. 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 If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read out of verse 13. Uh, it'll be also on the screen. I would encourage you, uh, please bring your Bible to church. It's, it's, a, it's a huge, important thing for uh, your life as a Christian. But uh, today I want to remind you of a few things. I want to remind you first that you're a born-again believer. And when you're a born-again believer, you aren't on an assignment on the earth. Your life is not ordinary. Amen. Uh, your life is designed to be lived in such a way that you are literally purposefully leading every moment of the day in the way that you live, the way that you talk, and the way that you are. Uh, I hope to motivate and change uh, just some, some, some thought processes and awaken us all to the purpose that we are important to the people around us and there is important attached to your life. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, it says that you are the salt of the earth, speaking to you. Uh, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I love this set of scriptures, one of my all-time favorite sets of scriptures in the whole Bible, uh, because 
they remind me of what my life should look like on the earth. Uh, and they also remind me that everything that I do on the earth, it should be unto the glory of God, that I should be living on purpose for him because he is the one that is always worthy of the glory. And that is what we are intending to aim at and giving him the glory in the way that we live. As the salt of the earth, I just want to remind you that you're designed to be a preservative to the world around you. You're designed to come alongside people, alongside the world around you, and actually be a preservative, actually be a shield, and actually be a protection of uh, some of the people that are around you in the world that is around you. Uh, it, it is talking about sacrificially serving the world that is around you. And also like salt, you are designed to enhance the flavor of the world that is around you, change the flavor of the world that is around you. See, uh, when you go to a restaurant and something doesn't taste like you were hoping that it was going to taste, what do you do? If you're like me, you just salt it and you just keep talking. Do I have anybody just over salt stuff? My granddad always used to say, if a little does a little good, a whole lot will do a whole lot of good. And so you just apply that to most areas of your life and you'll be fine. No, you salt it because salt actually changes or enhances the flavor. And that's exactly what we're designed to do on the earth as born-again believers of Jesus. We're designed to change, preserve, and to change the way something tastes. And that is speaking about the world. And as the light of the world, we're designed to be positioned and not hidden. Notice that he says, when you light a lamp, don't put it under a basket or don't put it under a bed, but position it on a lampstand that all who enter may see the light. We're designed, your, your life is designed not to be hidden uh, as, a, as, a, as a secret Christian all the days of your life. Yeah, there's a good moment and there's a good time for that, but then there's a moment where you're designed to be positioned in such a way that people can actually see you and they actually could look at you and you're actually, the way that you live points to God the Father. That's what the scripture is saying. And so if we turned out the lights and I had a, a flashlight in my hand and, and, and it was pitch black in here and I was standing right here at this stage on the ground level, only a few rows would be able to see. But if I were to climb up a ladder and hold a light above my head right in the middle of the room, it would give so much light that we could all move around in this room. And that is the way in which Jesus says that you are designed to live as born-again Christians on the earth. These two things to me, they lay out such an understanding of how it is that we should live and work in the world that is around us. Uh, I want you to take a look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 33 with me for a moment. Such a cool scripture here. It says, another parable that he spoke to them, talking about Jesus. He said, the kingdom of heaven is leaven, is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. Now, leaven is a substance, uh, typically it was yeast that was used to make dough uh, rise in the baking process. Anybody that, that is a good baker in the room? There's a, there's a girl in our church, and she is one of the most amazing uh, bread makers or bread bakers that I've ever had. She's amazing. She, she made communion bread the other day for a home church. It was a meal all in itself. It was literally the best Lord's Supper that's ever been made. If Jesus was alive, he'd have been like, you should have been way back then with me when I was with the disciples. And Bailey, you should have made this for us. She's incredible. But leaven is this thing where it's worked into dough and it causes the dough to rise. And Jesus is saying in the scripture that the kingdom of God is like leaven, meaning that when the kingdom of God is infused and woven in and worked into the dough of the world that is around you, the world around you should start to rise. 
And guess who carries the kingdom of God on the inside of them? You do. And I do. We do. And so when we're interjected and we're woven in and we're worked in and needed into our workplace, when we're needed into our school, when we're needed into our community in the way that we shop and all of the different things, the world around us, our community should start rising to the level that we live at. That's what should be happening, and that's what Jesus, he's talking about. I love this thought because I am a giant proponent of the world changing uh, in the way in which uh, it changing because I'm interjecting myself into it. I know that, sound like, that might sound like a little bit of pride, a little bit of arrogance, but I need you to understand the Scripture says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And so we have to start living and we have to start uh, being on purpose in the way that we live, knowing that when you step into a situation, the situation has to respond to Jesus that is on the inside of you. You have an authority that has been given and handed to you personally by Jesus. He said that all authority and power has been given to him, and then he gave it to us. And so you have keys to unlock the potential of people all around you all day, every day. You just need to believe that your keys actually fit the lock. Amen? So I believe that Jesus didn't just die to get you to heaven, but he actually died that you would have heaven come into you. He died to get heaven into you. We get to live from this different reality, this greater reality that, uh, that, that there, is a, there is better waiting for you and there's better waiting for the world that Jesus actually gave his life for. We understand that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning we're not dumbing heaven down to the earthly standard, but we're, we're, we're interjecting ourselves in such a way that the earth, the conditions of the earth, they rise because leaven is making it rise up to this standard where the realities of heaven are, are literally slamming into the realities of earth and everything changes. This is our mandate and this is our design to actually live, not just to get to heaven, but to actually have heaven come out of you in your relationships, in your workplace, and the world that you live in. The way that we walk and the way that we live in authority and purpose, it should actually shift the atmosphere of those around us. You need to also understand this, that everything about your life, once you give Jesus your Lord, uh, your, your life to be your Lord and your Savior, everything about your life, it went from natural to supernatural. It went from just natural to spiritual. Everything about your life is spiritual. Now, what I'm not saying is that you should be one of those people whose feet never touch the ground, and they're always in the spiritual clouds, and you can't have an actual normal conversation with them. Don't be that person all the time. You can be that person sometimes. But every now and then, come back, touch the earth so we can actually have a conversation. We can talk about food. We can talk about football. You can lead me to Jesus, all those different things. But he's, I believe that we're, we're designed to actually live from a spiritual place all of the time. That everything around us, we have to understand there's a, a spirit world around us that's as real as anything that you and I can see in this room. There's literally always war raging and waging for the condition of your soul, your identity, your position with Jesus, and it is a spiritual battle, right? And so once we're aware of this, we understand that we are engaged spiritually while living in a fleshly body. Everything that you do is valuable on the earth because who it is unto and who called you, and that would be the Father. Everything that you do has value. You need to understand this, that your title on the earth may be CEO or maybe business owner, but in heaven your title is son or daughter of the Most High God. Your title on the earth may be stay-at-home mom, but in heaven your title is daughter of the Most High God. 
Your title on the earth may be janitor, but your title in heaven is son or daughter of the Most High God. And that is the title that, 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 is, that the highest bit of honor goes towards. When you carry the name of Jesus, you carry something that is powerful, and it deserves honor. You may also need to understand this, that your title as maybe a stay-at-home mom is no less important or not less important than the title of a pastor. I think we start, we start drawing lines and we say, well, since I'm not that and I'm this, I'm not as important as that is. As a, as a bank teller, you're, you're not less important as, than a prophet in the kingdom of God. As a teacher... In the school district, you're just as powerful and you're just as needed as a teacher that would stand on a microphone and teach you a message on a Sunday morning. We have to understand that your role is just as important as any role that is held in the church because we're all a part of this giant body together. Amen? And every single part of the body is highly, highly important. We are one body with many parts. There's fingers, there's eyes, there's ears, there's noses. Jesus was so kind because I don't think that he would have made anyone the armpit. And so that was a good thing of him. Uh, you are not an armpit today. You are more important than an armpit. Amen? I love it. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody. Uh, also, I want to speak to this just for a short moment. Just because you don't go to a church for work and you don't, you don't receive a paycheck from a church or a ministry doesn't mean that you're not in full-time ministry. Like I said, when you gave your life to Jesus, everything became spiritual. You now are living on an assignment. You have an assignment attached to your life. It is to do your good works so that people see your good works and they glorify the Father is in heaven. Your assignment on the earth is to need yourself into the conditions or into the place that you work or into the school that you go to so that it begins to rise as you are rising in the kingdom. Amen? You are living on an assignment. And just because you're not in what looks like full-time ministry doesn't mean that you're not in full-time ministry. It might just look a little different. Your life may look a little different. It's like this. I'm clearly a man, right? Thank you, Keith. Everyone else, I am clearly a man. I have not been altered. I have not been changed. Thank God. My parents were smarter than that. Um, anyways, that is a different topic for another day. We will not talk about those things today. Um, but I'm clearly a man, and, and, and I want you to understand this. Just because Dwayne The Rock Johnson is smaller than me doesn't make them any less of a man than I am. Like, we're both men, he just has a different appearance, and I'm praying for his appearance to catch up. But we're both men. Just because my full-time ministry doesn't look like your full-time ministry, or just because Keith's full-time ministry doesn't look like your full-time ministry, doesn't make you any more or less in full-time ministry than either of us. And we have to understand that we are on a mission and we are on an assignment, not just us, but every single person in this room. You carry as much weight, and you should be carrying as much weight in the kingdom as we are. And I'm not saying that you're not. I'm just saying I'm trying to create some, some, some things that would cause us to erase the lines that say, because of this, I am not that. I am this because I do this. When you go to work, you are in the kingdom. It's never separated from you. You're in full-time ministry. Since being saved, your life is to be lived on a mission, advancing the kingdom of God, which means that you are purposed to be salt 
and light, preserve and lead, doing the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, we see this, and he says that he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. That is, that is what we are on assignment to do. This means that you might work in a worldly job system, or you might work for a worldly company, but your, your calling uh, as a son or daughter of the Most High God, it supersedes your employment as a bank teller or as a janitor. Y'all follow me? So as a son of daughter of the Most High God and you carry the name of Jesus, that is your headline and never, never changes. You never get to take that thing off. We joke sometimes about taking our Jesus hat off because someone cut us off in traffic. We don't actually really get to do that. It's always on. Jesus is always on us. He's always in us. And so as a person that lives and works in a worldly system, we have to live from a higher standard. In the Old Testament of the Bible, uh, there's a story of a man. His name is Daniel. And I believe that Daniel's life is incredible, and it speaks to this, uh, this idea and this subject of being on a kingdom assignment while working and living in a worldly system. Uh, his, his life is powerful. Daniel was taken captive, um, some theologians believe, at the age of 17 by King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. And he was... He was set out in this moment as a captive to become a slave in the kingdom. And so he and three of his friends, we know them as uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, or Abilego, as some people call him. Uh, they, they were set to undergo this three years of strenuous training to see if they were going to be fit to be servants in the king's court. That's what he designed them. He captured them and said, you're now going to be my servants. And so I want us to look into the life of Daniel really fast and, and kind of get a glimpse of how in which Daniel lived because Daniel says that he lived faithfully and he lived with a spirit of excellence attached to him. And, and he always found favor with these kings that he served. And so look at Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 17 through 21. And it says, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had, un, had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is what we know them as. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king had examined them, he found them to be ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm or in his kingdom. Thus, Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I want us to look at Daniel chapter 6 really quick. This is the fourth king that Daniel served because Daniel served consecutively these kings faithfully. One would die, he would serve the next. One would die, he would serve the next. One would die, he would serve the next. And so in Daniel chapter 6, it says this, It pleased Darius, he was a king, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And of these, three governors were selected, whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. 
And the king gave thought to setting Daniel over the whole realm. So I want you to pay attention to this. Daniel is a captive. Daniel set, and he goes through this three years of strenuous training. Why? So that he could just be a servant. Multiple times in Daniel's life, he was called upon to uh, actually come alongside a king and actually given him interpretation of a dream that he would have. And Daniel, in his faithfulness, he would, he would actually get the interpretation from God for this king. And every time he did it, he found favor. So all of a sudden, Daniel goes from being a servant to in Daniel chapter 6, in the fourth king that he is designed to serve, it says that he is now set as one of three governors in the kingdom. One of three. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And all of a sudden, the king starts thinking about setting Daniel over the whole thing. I love this story of Daniel because it gives me such a great uh, glimpse into exactly the scripture that we started out with in Matthew. That, that your good works would be done in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify the Father who is in heaven. Daniel's life just began to get promoted, promoted, promoted. And every single time Daniel would actually interpret a dream, it said that the king of the time would actually for a moment give reverence and honor to, to Daniel's God. Daniel lived in such a way, uh, I believe, that we could learn a lot from the way in which Daniel, he lived in the way that he served. One of the things that I found interesting about Daniel is that as each of these kings died and, and as, as Daniel moved on to serve another kingdom, and as Daniel continued to stay faithful, he gained this favor. But none of these, none of these kings served the same God that Daniel served. In fact, all of these kings actively worshipped other gods. They actually worshipped idols. They actually worshipped things that we are told not to worship. Yet, Daniel was able to faithfully serve them as a servant, but yet faithfully be a prophet in the kingdom of God. And he did both very, very excellently. I love this about Daniel. I think that this is an incredible thing because we have to pay very, very close attention to the way in which we think about the environment that we work in. A lot of times you hear Christians say, well, the environment just wasn't conducive for being a Christian. In fact, I actually, I need to work in a Christian environment to become all that Jesus has called me to become. It's actually not true. It's actually just weak. We actually just need to be a little tougher as Christians. Can I say that? We just need to be a little thicker skinned. We need to be okay with being in a workplace and someone drops an F-bomb and we don't instantly put in our resignation. I hate to say this, but we are weak in this area. It's like, well, if all of the things don't line up to... to, to from, from the way that I walk in the room and the way that I'm greeted to the Caleb that plays on the radio, then I can't actually work there because I can't be who God designed me to be. No, we're actually designed to actually live in such a way that we honor the God that we serve, but we also honor the person that's assigned us to the position that we accepted. We're called the greater. Now, I understand that there might be some things that I'm saying that are like, well, what about this and what about that? What I'm saying is this. Daniel, he never, even when he was offered the king's delicacies, at one point it says that the, 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 the chief of the eunuchs comes and he offers Daniel, he says, here, I want you to eat, the, eat what the king eats, eat what we eat in this kingdom. And Daniel says, actually, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I would love for you to do. Will you just give me the vegetables and water? 
And the chief of the eunuchs is like, well, I can't do that because if, if the king sees that you're actually starting to look weaker than the rest, he'll ask me why I'm not giving you the delicacies that he told me to give you. And Daniel says, do this. For a period of time, just bring us vegetables and bring us water and then come back in a little bit of time and, and check our countenance and see what it looks like to you. And if it, if, if it looks like we're weak and if it looks like we're poor in the way that we appear, then we'll actually take on the delicacies of the king. So he, he, he basically tests them with this. So he adheres to this, gives them vegetables and water. When he comes back, it says that he noticed that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their appearance and their skin and the way that they were, it was more healthy in appearance than the rest of all of the servants that were in training that were eating of the king's delicacies. All that to say, they had this ability to serve the king, but also not defile their faith in God. You can do this. There is a way that you can live in both worlds. There is a way that you can be on an assignment for the kingdom of God and faithfully fulfill your role at work every single day. I promise there is. Daniel was this prophet of God who also happened to be a servant. And I love the fact that we get to see this. Daniel was this servant who served on this high, with this high level of excellence. Daniel, one of the things about his life is that he had no choice to serve. He was made a captive put in this uh, training process because you are going to become this. He had no choice, yet he did it with a spirit of excellence. Most of our serving that is even voluntary has an attachment to it. It's conditional. What kind of platform will I get as a Christian if I serve in your organization? If I serve on the scoreboard, when will I get the microphone? When will I actually get to share out of my mouth the views that I have about things. We go there long before we ever say, what can I do in excellence? See, I think this, this is one of the things that we have, to, we have to come into the understanding of. Most of the time we fall into these places of serving and volunteering because we think as Christians we actually have to be the ones that take over the corporation or the organization. What if we chose to have a mindset that says, what if the person that is actually over this whole thing was put on assignment by God and I'm just here to support him faithfully so that hopefully he sees my good works and he glorifies the Father who is in heaven? What if we're to take on this mindset that this person might be set over this thing and maybe he doesn't know Jesus yet? But I'm working myself and I'm letting the Lord need me in the kingdom of God that is in me into this area that I'm serving or into this area that I'm working. And all of a sudden, the whole organization or the whole business, it begins to rise like leaven being added to the whole batch of dough. What if in the way that we live shifts everything? And all of a sudden, because we're changing the atmosphere just by showing up and being who we are in Jesus not spreading and, and rapid-firing Christianese and all the hallelujahs and amens and glory to God's as we can? What if we just show up and just be who Jesus said for us to be on the earth, and it actually brings conviction to the whole thing, and someone actually gives their life to Jesus, now they start operating and leading with the grace of God that is on their life? What if we took on the mindset that I don't actually have to step in and take over? Because actually, you men are called 
to lead that organization, but maybe they are. And what if your support just put them in position to be utilized in a stronger way? That is what we should be doing in the kingdom of God. I believe that uh, Bill Johnson said it really, really incredibly. Bill Johnson's a pastor of a church in Redding, California, uh, Bethel Church, and he said this. He said, be sure to preach the good news, and when necessary, use words. I love that so much. It reminds me of what my granddad used to tell me uh, when I was younger. He would tell me all the time, Cody, don't tell me, show me. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you're going to do. And I believe that that is exactly what the world is waiting for us. We're waiting for us to do as Christians. We are, they're waiting for us to actually come into this place as assignments to make disciples of the nations by the way in which we live so that they see our good works. I'm going to keep pounding it and glorify our Father who is in heaven, not necessarily to just uproot a good leader because they don't know Jesus like we do. What if you're the one that carries it and the only way they're actually going to ever hear it is by watching the way that you live your life. I believe the way that you serve will pave the way for the Holy Spirit, who is the one that brings conviction unto salvation. Serving with the Spirit of excellence. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when talking about love, Love is all these great things. The first thing that it mentions is this. Love is long-suffering. You're like, yeah, can we skip that one? Like, I like all the other ones, like the patient one and the kind one and all the heartfelt, warm things. But I really like that long-suffering part of love. Can we just skip that? You need to understand that, like, and you probably know this, but when you're interjecting yourself into the world system, you're going to have to struggle with some people. FYI, we are challenging to deal with. We. Not them, not they, not those. We are challenging to deal with. And it takes long suffering and your love, but I need you to understand this, that people are actually worth your long suffering. The, the lives attached to your ministry are worth you suffering a really long time to actually sow into that and then ultimately come into the knowledge of Jesus by the way that you live. Uh, I remember I took on this attitude uh, when, I, when I got saved. I was 21, and I wasn't raised in a church or anything like that. I didn't have any grid for God at all. And so when I got saved, I got saved in April of 2005. And then in September of 2005, a church launched in Midland that I happened to get invited to. I went to the first service and the rest has kind of been history for the most part. Uh, what I found in this place, I found uh, something that I'd never had before. I found this unconditional love, people that were willing to walk with me in my junk for a long time. It wasn't this place where I had to instantly get fixed before I could get accepted, which is what religion says. Which is why so much of the world doesn't follow Jesus, because they think, and they've been conditioned to think, well, you're not good enough to receive Jesus, therefore you need to get yourself good enough, then you can come to Jesus. That's actually crazy. Jesus came for the, the broken, not the healed, right? He is a healer. Well, you got to have some broken people to be the healer. And so Jesus 
like these people, these people like Jesus, I should say, they actually taught me what it was like to come alongside me, lock arms with me, and walk for a long period of time with me through my things, through the things that I just thought were the norm because of the way in which I was raised. And I'm so thankful for people who would live in a way where their ministry sometimes was lived um, overtly. There were times when people would actually just out loud just kind of call me out for something. They would give me a word of knowledge or they would say, hey, you actually should stop doing this. Can I tell you something? As born-again believers in the kingdom of God, you should be able to walk up to someone else who carries the name of Jesus attached to their life and tell them you're actually doing something that is sin. You should be able to correct each other. And you should be able to receive correction from one another. It's fun. We don't do this very often. Like, well, that's their life and, and it is what it is. No, no, no. They're actually a part of you. They're your finger. They're your leg. They're your elbow. They're your hand. They're your eye. How long are you going to let your, your right arm just wander and do whatever it wants to do before you bring it into submission? Or you actually say, you can't do that any longer. I'm not going to let you put your finger in that, that socket any longer because it's actually screwing us up. As people of God and as the body, we have to be able to come to each other and say, you actually need to stop doing what you're doing. And then as people and children of God, we actually have enough maturity to say, you know what? I'm sorry. You're right. We have to grow into this thing called humility every single day. It is a process, and we need to have some grace for each other in that. But we need to understand that there are times when we get to minister overtly like these people that begin to walk with me when I first got saved. And then there was so much of their lives that, that, that it was covert ministry. It was the things that I just saw them do on a regular basis. It was the things that I, it was the decisions that I saw them make when we would go out to eat. It was the way in which they tipped a waitress even if the service wasn't any good. It was the way that they just chose to pick up trash when no one asked them to pick up trash. It was the way in which they lived, and this is talking about covert ministry, and all of a sudden, I just began to wonder, what is it about their life and why don't I have it? So I started asking questions. And before you know it, a discipleship process started, and I started receiving the grace of God that was actually on my life just by watching someone else preach the gospel without using words. It's really good. If we will love our neighbor well, Jesus will get his foot in the door. Amen. Uh, I believe that just as Jesus and just as we see in the life of Daniel, we have to become people that are good at serving those around us. Jesus said, I didn't come to, serve, to be served, but to serve. And we've got to figure out a way to serve with a high level of excellence. And I'm going to wrap this thing up. But excellence can be defined like this. Behavior that shows high moral standard. In this context, it is having Christ-like integrity. Integrity, faithfulness, excellence, they all go hand in hand to me. I'm speaking of this principle that uh, is getting to work on time. That is Christ-like integrity. Sounds crazy, right? Like, literally ask yourself, when's the last time I actually got to work on time when I was supposed to? Don't, don't tell anybody else. Just keep that one to yourself. When's the last time I actually took the exact allotted time that I have for lunch? 
when's the last time I served the place that I work really well and I left not 15 minutes or 10 minutes before, but I left on time? Or get this one. When's the last time I served excellently in my community by pushing my shopping cart into the shopping cart collector? I told this to my church in Midland. I'm going to tell it to Keith's church in Lubbock. You can't actually be a part of this church if you don't push your shopping cart back in. No, no kidding. <laughs> this is a way in which we get to serve our community really well and not take up the mindset of it's not my job. That's why they hire people. No, it's actually serving your community well. It's excellence and serving with excellence. And the spirit of excellence is, is this concept of you picking up trash when you walk by it in the street. Or when you go into a church bathroom and you see trash all over the floor, if it's your church, take ownership. I don't care if this is our building or not. We treat it as if it is ours. Not with the thought of, well, there's an usher that will do that. I'm just here to come to church. No, you're on an assignment and you're to serve excellently. When I first got saved and I talked about how much I fell in love with these people, I fell in love with these people and I fell in love with the people that made up the church. And I took on this thought of, of I wanted to give something back. This place was giving me something that I'd never got before. I was getting love. I was getting nurtured. I was getting discipled. I was, I was growing in people. Uh, people were actually stretching me, and there were things that were happening in my life that I couldn't explain. And so it became a thing for me to just figure out a way to serve. And so I started serving, and I started ushering, and then I started working in kids' ministry. And someone asked, it, I think that you could actually teach some kids. And I was like, I don't think you got the right person. They're like, I think we do have the right person. Can you just do an offering for, for them one time? I did an offering. I butchered it. I confused the kids. Uh, but they were like, just keep plugging away. And I remember I had a job that, that I, dro I drove a hotshot truck, uh, just a, a truck delivering some oilfield products. And it would allow me some time between between different deliveries and I took it upon myself no one asked me this and I'm not boasting I'm just talking about serving with excellence because you love something well uh, and, and love and love suffers long but I I took it upon myself to say I'm not going to let a nick on a corner or a scratch on a wall in paint be there from one Sunday to the next Sunday and so if I had downtime at my job, I knew where all the touch-up paint was. I knew where the paintbrushes were. I'd walk into the building. Didn't even necessarily have to greet anyone. I could just go. I would find the paint, and it was my personal mission. I had every single classroom. I had every, every single hallway. And it was my goal because I loved something so much, and I wanted to serve it excellently so much that it, you were not going to see one paint scuff from one Sunday to the next. And if I missed one, I dealt with myself. No one else had to deal with me. It's just because I wanted to give something away to something that was giving me so much life. And I'm just asking you and I'm, and I'm charging you to understand that your life is to be lived on an assignment for the kingdom of God. You carry the name of Jesus everywhere that you go. You may not be able to see it, but the spirit world sees it. And because you are a son, or a daughter of the Most High God, your standards have to change. They just do. I'm not asking you for perfection. Jesus isn't asking you for, for, for perfection. He was the only perfect one. He is just asking you for excellence. 
simply serving with such honor and excellence that people see your good works and they give him all of the glory. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.